Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey there, White Sox fans. Guess what? It is time for the wrap-up finale of our end-of-season 2022 White Sox minor league uh, affiliate rundowns and you know listen we saved the best for last we picked the one team that finished 30th among 30 teams the team closest to the major leagues which tells you a lot about um, the type of reinforcements the white Sox have been able to benefit from although not all bad we'll probably touch on that a little bit it's the charlotte knights and with me as always uh, my very best friend in the entire world it is darren black our tireless tireless minor league baseball writer for Southside Sox, and Lord knows if a man looks a little drained in his Cedar Rapids Colonels hat, <laughs> hey, he ch- he chose the Twins affiliate to wear for this one. I, there's some hidden meaning there. Don't know what it is. Maybe he can explain himself. But uh, if he looks a little drained, it's because he has had to cover, what is it, three days a week and wrap-ups and weeklies and monthlies and you know, occasional podcasts. Um, listen, just give the guy a break. I'm not going to give him a break. The whole postseason, <laughs> we got things to talk about in the post uh, postseason or off season, uh, but maybe at least for say a week, we're just going to let him sleep because this nonsense has to take uh, a lot out of anyone. So, Darren, thank you for actually um, staying up, having the strength to sit and try to talk for about twenty minutes about the Charlotte Knights with me. Yeah, we'll go straight into the last season review to the first season preview. 
Look at that. <laughs> We're still doing it. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. If you think you can get away, we'll explain a little bit of how we'll cover the uh, Arizona Fall League toward the end. Uh, Darren is previewing our second half of the podcast. Let's get right so to it. Excited. Um, you say, yeah, exactly. You can not, con- cannot contain yourself. Uh, okay. The <laughs> usual numbers wrap up. Uh, if I didn't already preview it for you, the Charlotte Knights, a professional triple a baseball team finished 58 and 92 if i recall correctly they had they had uh, crawled to within 58 and 88 within that 30 game under 500 mark before uh eventually uh falling in fantastic fashion to i believe the durham bulls uh who were the first place in their division uh the charlotte knights finished 10 of 10 teams of course they're the worst in all of triple a so clearly this is not going to come as a shock uh 10th in their division uh, very worst in the International League, so that would make them 20th in the International League and among all of AAA, 30th. They're 28 games out of first place and minus 224 run differential, which I've been told is not good. Uh, it's just an awful team. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I guess we can talk about how that relates to the, to the, to the White Sox a little bit. Um, is part of the reason this team is so awful because the White Sox are cannibalizing the Charlotte Knights. Of course, every major league team does that to a degree. So it really comes down to the Charlotte Knights being as good a representative of the lack of depth the White Sox have in their system as, as any other team. Yeah. Uh, especially just on the pitching side uh, or the starting pitching side. Um, they barely had anybody there, um, by the end of the season. And it wasn't even because their starting pitchers, uh, that they started with to begin the season were, you know, deserving of it or even more deserving of it because they got to the majors. Um, uh, Davis Martin finished with the fourth most starts 13 and he started in Birmingham and is ending in with the I was, White Sox. So. I was just going to say, Darren, I mean, the, the starters and the rotation so bad in Charlotte, they couldn't even call up a guy from Charlotte to take a spot yeah. for the White Sox. They had to call a guy from Birmingham. Yeah, it was not great. <laughs> but, I mean, they did still, they were a kind of a feeder team uh, to an extent. Uh, Jimmy Lambert did start there uh, after coming off of a, a year in an offseason rehabbing. Um, Gavin Sheets started there. Jake Berger um, didn't exactly start there, but um, ended there before he uh, got hurt. <clears throat> Romy Gonzalez just was hurt the entire year, then came up eventually to be there. Right. And then Sevi Zavala legitimately became a key piece for the White Sox after kind of proving it uh, that he was back with the bat this year um, with Charlotte. But just a really just... Other than that, just the top end depth is not here uh, in Charlotte, and uh, I'm not sure when it will be again because we can, you know, debate if they really care about Charlotte now that everything seems to be going to Birmingham. Um, but at this point, they don't have the they don't have a representative AAA team. Yeah, and they don't really have top end depth. Uh, but Darren, I'm going to ask you about three guys who played primarily in Charlotte, who I think qualify, and 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 they are the guys you covered um, hitting wise uh, in the accompanying uh, wrap up. Uh, right, you know, like if people actually don't want to just listen or watch this podcast, they can actually read your words where you're going to go in a lot more depth and you're able to hear about these guys. Uh, but certainly three guys stood out. Uh, I don't think anybody really ended up being a disappointment per se. I don't know if we'd still call them top end depth, 
uh, including, and let's start with the top catching prospect. Sorry, Sebi Zavala, top catching prospect <laughs> in the organization, which of course is damning with faint praise because there really still are pretty much no catchers in the system, but that's Carlos Perez who, um, you know, seems to maintain uh, at least adequate, if not, you know, average to maybe plus, let's call it average. You can correct me. uh, Defense and a guy who actually had some pop. I want to say the White Sox had maybe three to four guys with 20 home runs in the system. He's one of them. Uh, He may be leading the system. I'm not sure, but he's one of those guys. And that's pop that we weren't expecting uh, from Carlos. So he's a guy who might be actually a legitimate major leaguer, at least, you know, uh, you know, you know, a, a bench role player. Yeah, um, he did see some time with the Sox just because of a 40-man roster crunch this time around. Um, So, I mean, he is going to be one of the, uh, I assume, three catchers heading into the year that's on a 40-man spot. So he should be the first guy up uh, when they need help. And what he does is he basically just hits the ball. Um, A lot of the times this year in Charlotte, it was pretty far, um, though I don't know how much of it was just being in Charlotte, like a really homer-friendly park. Yeah. Um, but he did still show some decent pop in Birmingham, which is not a homer-friendly park. <laughs> so um, just kind of got to take the average of that ISO, basically, and then maybe that's what his true power is. Uh, but he doesn't strike out a ton. I think uh, to start the season, um, he didn't strike out for, I think, about a week or so, um, which was just uh, of all the streaks, uh, yeah. the White Sox minor league ballplayers had this year that was definitely one of the more interesting ones but he doesn't walk a ton either so there's a lot of balls in play Mm -hmm. the unfortunate thing with him is you know he's a catcher they're all pretty slow Um, (laughs) and I know saying like us watching his money Grandal run like we understand how slow they can be but Carlos Perez is still pretty slow he hits a lot of balls on the ground as well Um, so he has a pretty low bat at 234 last year um, so if you're hitting a lot of grounders, pretty decent homers, um, but you're still hitting a ton of balls in play, like you probably just need to get some more line drives in there, even if it it does take away from some homers to doubles that would probably end up being better in his case. Um, but yeah, he, he's like how we all watch Zach Collins and Sebi Zavala. He is an actual better defensive uh, catcher than he is a hitting prospect as a catcher. So that is kind of, I guess, refreshing if that's what you want to kind of term it. Um, but um, right. yeah, that that he is a legitimate third option as a catcher in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, so just after a year of, or after a year in off season of saying where are the backup catchers, now you kind of look at a third guy and yeah. say like, okay, it's like yes. it's not you know awesome, but you know catching nowadays is not a premium position for any reason unless you're the Orioles who have probably the next best thing with Adley Rushman, yeah. but um, yeah, he's, he was a nice surprise this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was not an expected outcome. The white Sox have been um, scraping for catchers for gosh, as long as maybe even, even I've been alive, much less Darren. So uh, <laughs> it, it's certainly um, something to be said that now there are two legitimate backups, given the fact that <laughs> it does seem like it's going to be uh, just a fact that Yasmani Grandal is going to routinely break down in, during the courses of, seasons okay we got a couple more guys to cover so let's talk about the one who's a a little bit more exciting who really was i think almost far and away 
the um, minor league player of the year, the most exciting guy, at least until Oscar Colas decided to sort of like steal all the thunder at the end of the season. <laughs> and that's uh, Lenin Sosa, who uh, made this stratospheric uh, climb from Birmingham, just want the hell out of the ball in Birmingham, then sort of didn't stop in Charlotte, had had enough of a call up there where we just enough for us to start clamoring for him to be in Chicago. He did get to Chicago and just, you know, didn't did what you'd expect, which was really not much. Uh, a guy was sort of a little bit um, yeah. underwater at that point, uh, but then went back down to Charlotte. And, uh, you know, how would you assess his um, his 2022, given uh, that? I mean, I, I, I guess. Yeah, we, we yeah, know what I his know. trajectory was. Uh, did yeah. it turn out to be the good season that, you know, it started? as? Oh, yeah, it um, it started outrageous. It, it ended pretty well mm-hmm. it, it the middle of it, maybe not middle of it, but like a, a quarter of it uh, right there in the uh, middle of the season just was not, you know, fantastic. Uh, as you know, a lot of people probably didn't watch Birmingham games or Charlotte games. And so you just watched Lenin Sosa play baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could tell that you could tell he was not ready to go see major league pitching going up straight from double a to there. Yeah. Um, his first stint with the Sox negative WRC plus his second one, it was positive was still like in the teens. So it's, it wasn't a great start, Yeah. Uh, but he did end the year uh, much better in Charlotte, much closer to what he was doing in Birmingham. Like the power was back. Uh, the walks were up. Uh, he's not. He hasn't really been a strikeout guy ever, but they were in the middle teens again, which was similar to his Double A uh, stint this year. Um, and I, I mean, I we've talked about him in previous podcasts about how he hadn't really had a great offensive season in his professional mm-hmm. career before, and in a year where he went to Double A uh, and Triple A and Major League Baseball, that was the year that he had his first great <laughs> like offensive surge. So that's. Yeah. Good for him. Um, he's going to be in the running if um, there's no additions uh, to second base. Uh, however, they make additions for agency trade. Um, he's going to be one of the options at second base next year uh, in opening day. That's um, probably not the best solution right now, but <laughs> if if the off season goes how how most people expect, he will be in the running. <laughs> Um, yeah, at second base. Um, and he's already on the clock. He's done an option. So if you don't want to burn another one for starting, you know, uh, a, a new year, then have at it. But he's got more potential than probably anybody else that's close to the majors uh, on their on their side. Um, and then it's Jose Rodriguez behind him, but oh. I'm not sure Rodriguez is necessarily ready for that. All right. And let me sort of uh, re- related, and this is a question I wanted to hit you with next, because the trajectory of Sosa seems very similar mm-hmm. to a guy a year ago, though a very different player, and that's uh, Romy Gonzalez. Uh, Romy Gonzalez, of course, is up playing second base due to Tim Anderson injury and so and forth. And he's, you know, whatever, uh, you know, quitting himself well enough. Um, given that the, trajectories are somewhat similar and i guess similarly surprising um how 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 do those two compare we know that aromi's like you know he's an older player he's played more all around the field he's you know i don't know more of a swiss swiss army knife type of guy being older i imagine he has less um ceiling but how would you compare just those two given that they had sim- you know his 2021 was sort of sosa's 2022 yeah so romi um the you know pluses on romi's side is the versatility there um, and he has unbelievable power that uh, Sosa will never match. 
Um, the other side of that is Lenin Sosa cannot play everywhere, but he is a better defensive second yeah. baseman and shortstop. Um, I'm sure Romy is a much better outfielder just, you know, for the right. simple reason that Sosa has not played out there. <laughs> um, but Sosa, I mean, at least this year just showed a much better bat overall. He's not a guy that strikes out a ton like Gonzalez has. Um, even when in his uh, fantastic year last year, he did strike out a lot and that was a concern, but he also walked a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, Lenin Sosa has relied on Babbitt for a while. Um, and that skyrocketed this year as well. Um, so I think just kind of, if you're looking for someone's major league ceiling, I guess Sosa would probably be the guy there. Um, just because he, he just needs to keep doing what he did this year. Romy Gonzalez needs to fix a problem with his strikeouts that has been apparent since they've drafted him. Um, but they're still, I mean, they're both going to be on the White Sox at some point next year. Um, I know a lot of people assumed Gonzalez would be the Leary Garcia uh, replacement. Um, and obviously he's better than that right now. Um, but it just depends on, you know, on a bunch of factors with Leary and if Roman <laughs> Gonzalez is going to be healthy next season. Um, Cause he also has a bit of an injury bug um, just kind of to, de- depends on a lot but if if you're gonna take a guy and say hey i want him to play every day because he has a higher ceiling i'd probably go sosa just after Mm -hmm. after this kind of breakout power surge uh with with uh decrease in strikeouts you can't be blamed darren for for thinking the white Sox wouldn't have say committed three years to larry (laughs) garcia so you know uh, to be a little bit thrown left field yeah. Mm. Uh, okay. Now let's take a look at a guy who you might have considered to be very similar, well, actually superior to Lenin Sosa going into the season. The guy you would have thought would have been the first, um, very likely the most call, the first call up to AAA uh, and to the majors. And that's uh, the bonus baby, the guy with the, uh, the gold glove. Uh, and that's Gilbert Sanchez, who seems like he, he definitely did not have the Lenin Sosa season. And in fact, you might argue that his year was a disappointment. Uh, give me an assessment of where he's at and, and including what his trajectory for the majors, uh, you know, might be, or is he just going to get past because now you got Jose Rodriguez who's going to be coming and he could easily get buried in the, in the middle infield depth that the White Sox have just uh, yeah. plum players everywhere, but you know, you get buried, you get buried. Yeah. Sanchez is definitely getting buried at this point um, because you do have 40 man spots there right now with Romy Gonzalez and Lenin Sosa that have more potential. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Jose Rodriguez right behind him um, in terms of uh, uh, just because Rodriguez is at double A and Sanchez played majority at triple A, not in terms of skill at all. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where he's at right now. I think, most people just kind of expected him like myself, that he would be a u- utility infielder, basically second, third, short, uh, show good defense and be a bench guy. Um, and I mean, that's basically what he's continuing to show, but mm-hmm. there's actually been some surprises and how's Jose Rodriguez is continuing to do his thing mm-hmm. um, in Birmingham. So, I mean, Sanchez, he continues to show the things that he's good at. Uh, doesn't strike out a ton, um, has good bat to ball skills. It's just, it's literally only singles and that's not going to cut it in today's major league baseball. A 282 average looks great, but with no power and a low yeah. walk rate, that's yeah. an 81 WRC plus, which yeah. is not good Yeah, in Charlotte. So if you're not hitting 
for power in Charlotte, that's, you know, that's a pretty big problem. Yeah. Darren, let me just cut in and say the thing that shocked us about Gilbert last year is that suddenly in one of what you'd think would be the toughest affiliate to start breaking out offensively. It seemed like he discovered his bat and, and, and maybe got lost again this year. Do we know what happened there? Is this just what he is? And he just had a strange like sort of second half of 2021. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, when you put all of that together, it still wasn't an, a high ISO. Um, he probably just ended the season uh, just a bit better. Because, I mean, again, he is an older uh, player um, for right. basically any level he's been at up until AAA. He's been an older player, mm-hmm. and he did play professionally before this. Yeah. So he's just more experienced, knows what to do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, basically, he he kind of just – plateaued once he got to triple a um the i mean yeah the power under 100 iso is not you know not very good yeah uh okay well um you know i don't want to give too much of a a a preview uh, of the rest of this podcast but we pretty much just covered it we are still going to talk about the charlotte ice we have no choice we still got time on the clock uh and we do have to sell some things on behalf of sb nation so please really given the fact that you are listening to a podcast about a 58 and 92 triple a team that was 30th in all of triple a baseball that's 30 out of 30 teams uh Ooh. probably every one of you listening need to buy whatever weird ass product that the uh, sb nation of is trying to sell you here because you know, I'm guessing it's just a handful of folks. I hope there's a ton of you, but it might just be a handful of folks. If that's the case, you really need to get out there and buy. I don't know what it is. I don't pick these things, but please listen very it. carefully. Click yeah. yes, yes, go, 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 bye, bye, bye. And we'll see you in a minute. And we'll find some other Charlotte Knights to talk about because we sort of have to talk to you again in a minute. <laughs> Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Hey, White Sox fans, you lucky, lucky people are listening to a podcast about the Charlotte Knights. And I think it's already been clear if you listen to the first half, I'm not sure how you skipped to the second half. So if you listen to the first half, you know that this team was really, really bad. And let's just broaden it and say that the White Sox uh, entire uh, affiliate system was the worst in baseball this year. And that is piled on top of likely being the worst last year. I know they had teams, even though Birmingham was about 500, they had at least one team that was the worst in their entire level and another. I want to say Canapolis wasn't quite the worst, but they had to be like second to worst. So this could be two years in a row the White Sox have the worst record in all minor league baseball. We know for a fact in 2022 they were the worst, and the only team above 500, barely so, was the Dominican Summer League team, which essentially sort of doesn't count okay i've tried to just blab about stuff i have nothing to do about the players in the charlotte knights apologies to all the charlotte knights because we love you love uh, laura wolf shooting those great photos for us um but we have to talk about a pitcher maybe obviously we've already decimated the starters because there really are no essentially really there are no starters at times they probably were running out one actual starter every every rotation round which is ludicrous and it really is a dereliction of duty on behalf or you know certainly on the part of maybe not chris getz certainly rakan to not even stock 
the Johnny Cuetos of the world, uh, you know, who are ready to come up, you know, as that seventh starter, instead of forcing maybe the decision between John Park or going down to Davis Martin at double A or who knows, who knows who at, at, at high, I don't know what they're planning on doing in the future because they're not going to be able to restock this system's uh, arms in a second. Uh, and I'm going to try really hard not to get into a sidebar about Carlos Rodon, Darren. Okay. Let's talk about one guy who might have legitimate, I guess, maybe you chose the right about him. So I guess he has legitimate major league potential. Now it seems like in the bullpen and that is the big hoss. It's Cade McClure, who seems like he had a decent campaign being switched to relief uh if not Cade, you yeah. gotta give me a name of someone who could possibly get into a major league bullpen uh on merit but it does seem like Cade is a guy that the white sex might be putting hanging some hopes on yeah i mean i mean just based on last year uh the only guy that would merit that probably is Cade mcclure that mostly played in charlotte uh he again started in birmingham was uh, 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 a starting pitcher. I think he started like six, seven games, like actual, like not just going an inning and then getting right. pulled. He was going four or five, unless he got roughed up. Um, and then they kept doing it for a little while after the, but not starting, he would go in, in like the third, something like that, pitch the next three, four. Um, and then they slowly kind of made him an actual reliever and he, was much better as a, as uh in his role as kind of a more pure reliever. Um I kind of put the uh date uh of May 24th as kind of the basic switch because he didn't pitch more than 3 innings at any point after that and he pitched more than 3 innings. Obviously he was starting like several times before that. Um and he ended the year with a 3.50 ERA, 31% K rate, um just under 7% walk rate just based off of that. Um, and he steadily improved as the year went on. The homers went down as the year went on. The the batting average against slowly went down, and there was no uh, real increase in walks, uh, which is pretty good to see from any pitcher as the season goes on, um, especially from a younger guy like Kate McClure. Um, and the walks or and the strikeouts still stayed right above thirty um, percent. Like I'm not saying that he is you know, the next Jimmy Lambert or anything Mm -hmm. like that. But if you're looking for a guy that went from being a starter and then went to a reliever, which is something the White Sox have done frequently, they're in their bullpen right now pretty frequently. Three of them were in their bullpen this year. Tanner Banks, Reynaldo Lopez, Jimmy Lambert, all did really well moving into a relief role. Um, And they kind of seemed to do it with Cade McClure and it actually worked out with him. Mm -hmm. doesn't work out with everybody, but... Um, he ended the year, uh, pretty strong and, uh, another guy we'll talk about Jason B. Uh, I hope they do that with him. Just move him straight to the bullpen, see what they have. But, um, pleasantly surprised that that was his end of the season. Um, just hope he can stick with it. Hope the White Sox stick with him as a reliever, even though they do need starting pitching, pitching from somewhere, Uh. but. Uh-huh. He he seemed to be a much better reliever than he was starting pitcher in the higher levels. Yeah, and don't forget, it wasn't uh, done in um, the White Sox system, but uh, Liam Hendricks, a uh, started out as a starter, moved to now he's a premier closer yep. and a premier cusser. Uh, yeah, okay, let, we can touch on him briefly because I think we talked a little bit about uh, Jason Blouse and uh, Blues, Jason B, in yeah. uh, maybe the Birmingham podcast, but he is a guy, in case you think it's very easy for a guy to move from the 
from the rotation, you're pitching less innings or whatever. You can focus on, you know, whatever. You don't have to have, say, three pitches uh, to move in the bullpen. Well, Jason uh, B is a guy who um, maybe has proven that it isn't exactly just, you know, you don't fall out of bed being able to do it because he had a, a tougher year. Um, so rather than go over his year, Gings, we might have done that already. Um, and, and I don't know if we touched it uh, on it in the earlier podcast, but uh, what's he need to do next year at Charlotte to be a guy that the White Sox could look at maybe following McClure uh, to the major leagues? Oh, well, um, just take up a lot more time as being a reliever, uh, next year would be the first thing. I don't, I don't always enjoy the in season become, go from starting and then say, Hey, go relieve is that's, uh, totally two different mindsets and two different ways to prepare. Um, so I, I hope they just tell them this off season, like just, you know, work on your two best pitches. Mm -hmm. You're going to be a reliever. You're just going to need to get three guys out. That's, that's what you need to do. Or I guess, or three best pitches because the changeup is not one of his better pitches, but um, that's what he needs to do and bring down the walks. That's, I mean, easy enough, like (laughs) make your pitches better and stop walking people. Right. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see on the south side. It's going to be that easy, Jason. Come on, and we'll finally get the definitive answer on how to pronounce your last name. Okay, here's a weird thing: uh, among the six thousand relievers that Charlotte had, because there were no starters, she had to run out. I mean, really, it would be funny to look back on the box scores and just find out what their average number of pitchers per game is. It had to be six easy. It might be more than that because it's just um, ridiculous. Every game there was were essentially... several times it was all nine innings. Yeah, was a nine, different yeah like literally was, nine pit, yeah, unbelievable. It was disgusting. And you still had guys sometimes who weren't even getting through their inning which is uh, yeah. got to be really uh, exciting for... Uh, yeah, so uh, but <laughs> okay, among the left-handers, because again, there were probably 4,000 left-handers this year for the Knights. Um, there are left-handers. It seems like the best left-hander decided to retire before the season ended. And that's Hunter Shriver, which is a setback for the White Sox. And go figure, just the, the luck of the White Sox. Uh, two guys that we've sort of followed closely, and, and one guy who started in the majors this year, uh, another guy who sort of moved up the system with them. Uh, 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 Sousa and Perez are two guys, you know, two left-handers, um, you know, the big guys. You'd think they might have a trajectory to the majors, but but neither Sousa, Sousa just never came back. Uh, Perez did not have a good season. Uh, is there hope for these guys, or is this just also a matter of them still, you know, I don't know, getting AAA innings under them to maybe make that leap, or is it just a crapshoot at this point for those two? Yeah, I, I mean, I think they'll keep Sousa around on the 40-man just because his, I mean, his professional career um, up until going to the majors for that, a month or yeah. so that he was up there. Um, I mean, he struck out, he was striking out uh, batters like quite a bit. Um, the, and that somehow just went away in the majors. I know, like, I can't, I'm not going to say it's all nerves. He's a two pitch pitcher. If his slider, if he can't throw strikes with his slider, then no one's going to swing at it in the majors. Unlike they're going to swing at it in the minors. Um, so it's, you know, easy to say again with, uh, uh, compared to Jason B, like, Ben Souza just throw strikes with your best pitch, but um, I'm not I'm not too sure what kind of the end game is here with lefties in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I know losing Garrett Crochet for the whole year kind of yeah. screwed up the whole lefty bit. I I still believe that was the only reason why Tanner Banks was even in the sure. uh, major league bullpen, um, but they still don't have enough. They're not going to sign enough in in free agency because you would have to actually sign like quite a bit that also have options mm-hmm. and those guys they're just not around or good so Bennett Souza will be sticking around 
Um, and uh, he just needs to get, you know, guys to swing and miss at a slider. If he needs to establish the strike zone with his fastball more often, um, maybe just do first pitch fastball more often, something like that, and then work off of a slider like that. Um, or uh, somehow find a third pitch in the off season and have it be decent. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, for the Andrew Perez part, um, he was always, or well, he is always younger than Bennett Souza. He will never be older than Bennett Souza. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you come to these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, they were kind of going up at the same time. Uh, but I think Souza's just slider was just a bit better than Perez's. And that's why that he went up faster, um, got more looks, got the month or so in the majors. Um, uh, though a little note, and I did put it in the piece, he his 59 appearances are second most in all of affiliated baseball, just to kind of illustrate, you know, how many, how many times these guys are being used. And um, I think um, I can't remember who was also in the top, I think 40, um, but um, they had a couple guys up there getting 40 plus appearances, which is not, you know, great for the, a triple a team, but yeah, I don't, I I guess I'm not a hundred percent sure what the um, rule five draft is currently. Mm-hmm. I would have to, cause there wasn't one last year for no reason. Uh, no major league portion. There was a minor league portion, right. but um, yeah, I mean, two lefties uh, Perez obviously has showed talent in the past. Didn't this year, he allowed a lot of hits, um, allowed a lot of homers in Charlotte, which is, you know, something that just happens, but allowing a lot of homers as a reliever is not a, you know, great way to go about it, but yeah. both of them will be here next year. Yeah. We could talk about Jake Berger, but we know him from Chicago. He hits somewhat well at the major league level. He doesn't really have a position he's injured or was injured again. So, I mean, I'm sorry yeah. to Jake. We're going to just sort of put a pin in him because there's not really much to update there. I don't think. And if there is, you can talk over me and tell me what it is, Darren, because we are getting to the exciting portion of the end of the Charlotte Knights podcast. And that is previewing very briefly the Arizona folly because Darren is lucky enough to on a weekly basis, because let's face it, there's not even any prospects of, of note from the White Sox playing in this league. Not that it's always the case, but we've had Mike Rodolfo in the past um, when Anderson Severino Jose was Rodriguez. maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Jose Rodriguez, a slightly uh, big prospect. You know, this year we don't even have that. Don't know really know what the strategy you're thinking is there. Perhaps at the AAA levels because all the pitchers are just dead tired. I don't know. Um, but we, uh, we, so we are going to do just um, uh, weeklies, and Darren's going to take those on um, for us. They're going to run on the off day. Uh, they play six days a week, I think. Take a day off. Um, but <laughs> uh, the as as I think Darren put it to me, the most intriguing prospect that the White Sox are sending to the Arizona Fall League is the manager, and that is the uh, whatever heir apparent or you know I don't know, they like him a lot. They haven't fired him. Mm-hmm. He hasn't got himself in any sort of trouble to get himself fired like in AAA and West Helms, uh, and that is Justin Gershell, yeah. who uh, is the usually he's well he's I guess going to maybe stick I don't know permanently or at least for the time being at Birmingham, given that sort of like the hot 
minor league affiliate for the White Sox. He is managing the Arizona Fall League team. I don't think there's anything to preview about him. So I'm going to just ask you about one guy, uh, even though I think we've decided that Adam Hackenberg is probably the most intriguing prospect, the guy who's most elusive, who I liked a lot, and then he did have the drug suspension, which apparently was inadvertent, but he also was getting off to a start that was just very strange, and that's Terrell Tatum. Um, but I guess this is your free time. There's your five minutes of free time to talk about the Arizona Fall League, Darren, and anybody you want to actually make sure we address and preview because you're going to have to be writing about them. Um, just, okay, go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they sent seven guys and a manager, <laughs> but yeah, Adam Hackenberg is the only top 30 guy um, per MLB pipeline there. Uh, he's a catcher. He's okay. Defensively, the bat could use some work. Um, so that's, that's where we're starting from. <laughs> um, uh, Moises Castillo, um, he, he was actually called out as a part of being Project Birmingham, which is notable, um, at the very least, middle, middle infielder, but pretty much Yolbert Sanchez light, just mm. a bunch of singles. Um, but the, the thing that he does is walk a bit more, uh, or, or I guess not a bit more, a lot more, but he does get on base at a higher clip. Um, he just kind of redid high a and a double a this year um compared to last year when he was with mm-hmm. st louis so i i don't you know like comparing redos uh mm-hmm. as much when you're um a prospect you you've been there done that Can, good job for succeeding the second time uh, <laughs> i guess um then yeah your guy terrell tatum um <laughs> i'll still claim he I'm was sure. doing super super well <laughs> He walked as many times as he struck out for a large portion. And like they were covering 60% of his plate appearances at one point <laughs> uh, between just walks and strikeouts. Um, Two outcomes. Those did, yeah. Those <laughs> did dip in high A before he got popped uh, for amphetamines. Um, but he still showed, you know, a good offensive season overall. It just got cut short 42 games. I, I don't know if I want to read a ton into it, but I just know that he does walk a lot and strikes out a lot and then got to find, you know, what else he does uh, pretty well. Um, and then the pitchers are just, they're, they're sending guys to get innings on the, on the pitching staff with guys like Lane Ramsey, like just needing more innings from being yeah. injured. And then uh, the other, the other guy has just had good seasons uh, and they're Chase Seleski, Sammy Peralta, uh, Declan Cronin just had good seasons. So they're, you know, keep can, playing. <laughs> can, yeah. Can you just give us a quick idea, Darren? Cause I haven't studied this enough. I know it's not just like everybody's organizational all-star team goes to the AFL. Of course not. But, and, and the White Sox have a terrible organization. So their, their guys are not going to measure up, but how do other teams generally look at this? I imagine there's a smattering uh, of approaches, but do more people do, do more teams do what the White Sox are, which is sort of, I don't want to say random, but it's an interesting, it's an eclectic group you know, usually with maybe one or two headliners um, or, or, or is it closer or do some organizations send, you know, maybe a little bit of a merit all-star team to the fall league, or is it, is it just a grab bag? Yeah, so, I mean, the White Sox had done this up until this year. Hmm. Um, we talked about Jose Rodriguez, mm-hmm. um, obviously nothing in 2020. Um, I can't really recall 2019 right now, but we know Mike Rodolfo went there. We know from Prospect's past. Yeah, Sousa like, went there Hawkins maybe 2019. There. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like they definitely did that before. Um, but now with the seasons, like we are AAA ended the what Wednesday, Wednesday, September 28th. And this starts uh, October 3rd, which did not used to be the thing yeah. um, that it would, the seasons would end so close. So I think 
what Project Birmingham basically is, is the AZL uh, or AFL for um, those prospects that are in high A and double A that they want to see some, you know, higher level, maybe not extra games at the end of the day, just because the seasons on all uh, affiliates are kind of close at this point. Um, but just, you know, against better competition at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they did. They sent all those guys up to double A. They played for two weeks longer um, time-wise yeah. than they would have in Kannapolis and Winston-Salem. And they called it a day. Um, yeah. And they're sending basically, I think, uh, Adam Hackenberg and Castillo and Tatum um, are the guys that have not played in Charlotte. So they have, you know, gotten at least a couple weeks off before they have to go to Arizona yeah. and play more ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess in Tatum's case, it's been a couple months, but um, all the pitchers were in Charlotte. So they are taking a week off and going down to Arizona. So it just kind of seems like um, they just double uh, a is where they want to see all their prospects uh, for X amount of time. And then, uh, in their own controlled environment or controlled enough. And then they'll send it to Arizona where it's still more controlled, um, but not as much as, you know, sending mm-hmm. all the coaches to Birmingham. You can't do that with the AFL. So I, I don't know if that's more teams are going to do that mm-hmm. or if other teams do do that already. Um, that's just what the White Sox are doing right now. And it seems like in season, uh, fast promotions is the way to go for them. Unbelievably, Darren, we are nearly running out of time. We somehow found a way to spend a half hour plus talking about the Charlotte Knights. Thanks everybody for listening to all of these affiliate uh, wrap ups. Uh, Darren's not, he's not going to get away like he did last year. Uh, I let him get away. We did no podcast over the, uh, in, in the off season. We will do some. Uh, so it is farewell, not goodbye or goodbye, not farewell. But for now it is farewell. We'll catch you guys soon somewhere December or so.